Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Connie. Today is Friday, August 11th, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. Thanks for tuning in this morning, friends. If you're in Riverside today, you can anticipate highs of around 87 degrees, with lows dropping down to 67.4. Stay cool and hydrated. We've got a jam-packed news day ahead. First up, a landmark Purdue Pharma bankruptcy case is about to be scrutinized by the U.S. Supreme Court. This complex litigation involves the infamous Sackler family and a staggering $6 billion settlement. On the economic front, U.S. inflation seems to be taking a breather, bringing a soft glow of optimism to Wall Street. But not all is rosy on the global economic landscape, as China's deflation has started to jangle nerves worldwide. In automotive industry news, Ford's CEO makes a bold commitment, maintaining steadfast resolve to boost electric car production, notwithstanding recent financial setbacks. Energy efficiency and collaboration on charging infrastructure occupy the focus of this ambitious strategy. Stay with us for these stories and much more right here on Alex's News. This just in, the U.S. Supreme Court has made a critical decision in the bankruptcy case involving Purdue Pharma, the manufacturer of OxyContin, and its owners, the Sackler family. To help us unpack this, we're joined by our in-house correspondent, Elias. Elias, what can you tell us about this situation? Connie, the Supreme Court's announcement has grabbed headlines across the nation as it agreed to review a significant bankruptcy case with deep implications. Just to give our viewers some context— The Federal Bankruptcy Court in New York in 2021 approved a settlement that involved the Sackler family, who are not bankrupt, paying $6 billion to shelter them against future opioid lawsuits. What does this mean exactly? Well, this deal, if implemented, means that future legal claims related to opioid lawsuits against the Sackler family would essentially be discharged. However, the Supreme Court has momentarily put a halt to this arrangement while the appeal is heard. Let's talk a bit about the past. This isn't a recent thing, is it? Absolutely not, Connie. This boils down to years of legal confrontations and a cascade of conflicting court rulings. With this review, the court has instructed attorneys to get ready for arguments on a key question. Does the U.S. Bankruptcy Code allow courts to sanction settlements that remove claims against third parties who are not bankrupt? Legal analysts suggest that this could lay the groundwork for other controversial bankruptcy deals. Does this potentially have wider implications, Elias? It could, Connie. One substantial concern is about the use of bankruptcy protections to shield individuals such as the Sacklers from civil lawsuits related to the opioid crisis. The government, under the Biden administration, intervened arguing that bankruptcy law shouldn't permit a total shield from lawsuits by all victims of the crisis. Just to clarify, what is the opioid crisis exactly? Well, Connie... Opioids, which include prescription painkillers like OxyContin, have been causing havoc with over 70,000 fatal overdoses annually in recent years, particularly after they became prevalent in the early 2000s. The crisis refers to the alarming increase in mortality rates and addiction issues associated with these drugs. A key player in this Purdue Pharma hasn't been without controversy either, right? Correct. Purdue Pharma pleaded guilty to criminal charges in 2020 
agreeing to pay penalties amounting to $8.3 billion. This opened the floodgates for civil lawsuits against them. However, the Sackler family, who owns Purdue, has not faced any criminal charges. Their role in aggressively marketing OxyContin, despite its addictive qualities, has been widely condemned. And where does the information for all this come from, Elias? Our information is based on numerous reports from trusted news outlets, including CBS News, Forbes, NPR, The Wall Street Journal, among others. All eyes are now on how the Supreme Court will handle this crucial case in what appears to be a decisive battle in the ongoing war against the opioid crisis. An eye-opening situation indeed. Thank you, Elias, for that thorough explanation on a critical issue affecting many of our viewers. Let's delve into our next story that addresses the current inflation situation. Grace, it seems we're grappling with the intricacies of inflation and economic forecasts. Can you provide some insight into what exactly is happening? Absolutely, Connie. As reported by NPR, consumer prices rose 3.2% in July when compared to the same month last year. Rent, gas, and grocery prices are the main culprits here. The overall inflation, though, seems to be showing signs of moderation with just under a 2% rise in prices over the last three months witnessed. Okay, so we're talking about both moderation and rising prices here. What do these indicators really translate to? When we talk about the moderation of inflation, Connie, it means that although prices are still rising, they are doing so at a slower pace. On the other hand, interestingly, some prices are actually coming down, which includes used car prices and airfares. This mixed bag of data has Wall Street somewhat hopeful that inflation is easing up. So what's the implication of this for everyday households? Despite inflation easing off a bit, it still remains relatively high. This would mean that households will continue to pay more for things like mortgages and credit cards. Inflation essentially increases the cost of our everyday expenditures. That certainly paints a clear yet somewhat worrying picture. Now I understand there's also some speculation concerning the Federal Reserve. Can you shed some light on that? Yes, there's a belief that the Federal Reserve might leave interest rates unchanged in its next meeting. Any subsequent actions will be primarily guided by additional economic data. A crucial factor here is the U.S. potentially entering a recession, partly due to China's slowing economy, which might have repercussions on the global economy. Also, Grace, we're seeing some reactions from stock markets, right? Absolutely. The Toronto Stock Exchange, for instance, according to a Reuters report, closed higher after U.S. inflation data came in lower than expected. This seems to suggest investors are using this lower-than-anticipated inflation data as a signal that the Federal Reserve might halt its cycle of rate hikes, which is seen as a good thing. Can we anticipate where the inflation rate might be heading? Trading economics gives us a peek into where it could lead. Their econometric models suggest a decline in U.S. inflation rate to around 2.50% in 2024 and further to 2.40% in 2025. And there are also concerns about U.S. going into recession, aren't there? Yes. According to an article from CNBC, economist Ben Bennett highlighted the risk of a U.S. recession next year. Unfortunately, the reasons for his concerns weren't mentioned. From a global perspective, the situation in China seems to have stirred some worries, too. Right, Connie. 
A Voice of America report flags concerns over China's economy, which seems to be sliding into deflation. China's own National Bureau of Statistics confirmed a 0.3% decline in overall prices in July compared to last year. Economists are wary about underlying economic weaknesses, such as a stringent zero-COVID policy, slowdown in the property sector, and rising unemployment among younger workers. And this holds potential global implications? Indeed. If China as a global economic powerhouse is deflating, it could have far-reaching implications, particularly for developing countries that rely heavily on its demand for raw materials. So, in summing up, Grace, it seems like a challenging economic puzzle that we're dealing with. Quite so, Connie. While there is some optimism owing to the moderation of inflation and the anticipations of a soft landing, concerns about a potential recession and the outlook of fiscal sustainability continue, it's a tough balancing act, and eyes will certainly be on how the Federal Reserve and global economies handle the shifts and swings in these economic indicators. Well, as they say, the only constant is change. Thanks for briefing us comprehensively on this, Grace. My pleasure, Connie. Moving on to our third story of today. Ford's CEO, Jim Farley, has announced his commitment to boost electric car production despite the company's current financial setbacks. Ethan, our specialist correspondent in this field, is with us to delve more into this issue. Ethan, what can you tell us about this development? Connie, it's a significant gesture from Ford. The company is showing that it's really committed to the electric vehicle, or EV, market. Farley is following the trend of a general pivot in the industry toward electric vehicles. He also mentioned plans to improve the energy efficiency of their traditional combustion-powered and hybrid models. What challenges are Ford and other companies facing in this transition, Ethan? The most significant challenge is the lack of sufficient EV charging infrastructure, or simply put, places where you can charge these vehicles like a gas station. Automakers are actively collaborating to build a more comprehensive charging network to help eliminate this roadblock. What about other major companies? Are they supporting this movement too? Yes, Connie. An excellent example is the ongoing partnership between PepsiCo and Tesla. As part of its initiative to go greener, PepsiCo has integrated 21 Tesla semis into their fleet. A recent video by the North American Council for Freight Efficiency showed drivers praising the improved visibility, comfort, and faster charging capabilities of these vehicles. This collaboration looks promising, Ethan, but we've seen that EV sales aren't quite where they're projected to be, despite advancements. Can you expound on that? Absolutely. Currently, the primary adopters of EVs tend to be more tech-savvy. But there are signs that traction is growing, largely thanks to a broader range of choices, falling prices, and federal tax credits. However, the question remains on how quickly the average consumer will get on board. Additionally, factors such as potential gas price hikes could further complicate this dynamic. Now, still on the topic of EVs, there are speculations about the launch of a new Tesla Model 3 variant as well as Rivian Automotive Inc.'s readiness to commence operation in Texas. What do these latest developments mean for the industry? Well, Connie, it's indicative of the growing competition within the EV market. Tesla's new Model 3 variant and Rivian's move to Texas certainly suggest that there's an intent to draw more motorists to switch to electric. This increased competition could accelerate developments in the industry, bringing us closer to overcoming the obstacles currently standing in the way of widespread EV adoption. 
Indeed, a fascinating and evolving situation in the vehicle manufacturing industry. Ethan, thank you so much for shedding light on this complex issue. It was my pleasure, Connie. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, Eleven Labs, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.